Good morning. This morning's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. Today our sermon title is a different kind of family. And as we welcome new people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of stories into our family, on this different kind of Christmas, I want us to think for a few minutes on a different kind of family. Because the truth is, all of our experiences of family are really, really different. Even that word family, I guarantee for for all of you, creates a different picture in your imagination. It does something different in each one of your hearts. It stirs something up. For some of you, your experience of family is loneliness, being on your own. And when you leave this place today or when you turn the screen off today, the rest of your day is on your own. And that's your experience of family. For some of you, it's an experience of grief heightened by this Christmas season where as you sit down for lunch and maybe as your Christmas lunch, there's an empty chair and your heart breaks and you have memories but no one to share them with and talk to. Maybe your experience of family is is longing. Longing for a partner. Longing for someone to share life with, longing to have children, and yet those prayers just continuously feel unanswered. That's your experience of family. Maybe your experience of family is is married with kids. And that brings both blessings and challenges all of their own. And I could go on because in this day and age the list is endless. There are so many different experiences of family in the world in which we live in. Growing up, did any of you think it would be this complicated? Did you? Growing up, we had these aspirations of normality. We never dreamt it would be so diverse and so difficult and and at times so hard to get our heads around. And COVID seems to have intensified all of those things. This story of Joseph that John has read for us, Joseph's a bit of the unsung hero of the the Bible Christmas story, isn't he? He doesn't get a whole lot of press, and yet I think his role's fantastic in the midst of it. Joseph 
was a guy from Nazareth. He was a tradesman, we're told a carpenter. I reckon, and maybe a bit of poetic license here, but I reckon Joseph grew up with aspirations of normality for his life. I reckon Joseph grew up thinking, do you know what? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to get married, have my own family, one day get old, sit on the porch and watch my grandkids run around my feet. He had aspirations of normality or something like that. Don't quote me exactly, but you know what I mean, yeah? You with me? Behind the mask, say yes, Gareth. I can only see your, I can't see your faces. It's hard. Give me something back. Give me something back. Um, and yet we are told that he was engaged. The Bible language is betrothed to Mary. It was actually slightly more than engaged. They were, they were almost completely married, but they hadn't consummated the marriage. They were almost completely married, and Mary is found to be pregnant. She is going to have a baby. And Joseph knows he's not the dad. And so he makes this decision in his mind. He wrestles about it. He makes this decision in his mind that he's going to divorce Mary quietly. And we think, oh, that's a bit harsh. But you know what? That was the done thing. That was what he was told to do in Scripture. That was normality. By all extents and purposes, he was doing the right thing in that moment. He decides to divorce Mary quietly, privately, and yet God, through an angel, interrupts his aspirations of normality and reveals something incredible to Joseph. He says that uh, this, this pregnancy and this birth, it's an immaculate conception. It's by the power of God. And Joseph makes this incredible choice that even though Jesus isn't his natural-born flesh-and-blood son, he makes this incredible choice to raise Jesus as his own natural-born flesh-and-blood son. Why does it happen this way? We don't really know. It's a strange story to start Christmas, isn't it? But we don't really know. One theory, because it reveals the deity of Jesus. If Jesus Jesus was fully Mary's son, but he wasn't fully Joseph's son because God was his father. And what we believe about Jesus is that he is fully human and fully divine, fully God at the same time. And it had to be this way because if it wasn't this way, if Jesus was only human, then he couldn't have grown up and died on the cross and saved people from their sins, defeated the powers of death and evil and sin and welcomed you and welcomed me into his family, into his kingdom. And yet, the way Jesus came into the world shows us that he is both fully human and fully God all at the same time. Why did it happen this way? Maybe another reason is to show that nothing is impossible for God. God can do anything. He is the God of miracles. And we can't lose sight of that. The incarnation, the very birth of our salvation starts in a miraculous act. We cannot lose sight of that. But there's something else that I want to just press into for a few minutes this morning. And that's this. This birth story of Jesus, the immaculate conception, the, 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 
decision from Joseph to sacrifice his aspirations of normality from his life, to step outside the done thing and to be obedient to God, what we see is a story of a man who who partners with God and we see something of God's redemptive compassion being played out through Joseph's family. It's a lot of words, isn't it? Let me say it really simply. Jesus came into the world with no earthly father. And God said to Joseph, I want you to trust me. I want you to give your life to me. I want you to partner with me and raise this child as your own. He's not your flesh and blood, but I want, him, I want you to make him family. And so what we see with Joseph is an act of the language we would use as fostering an adoption making Jesus his own son and raising him as his own son. What we see in the story of the first Christmas is God partnering with one of his people to bring about his redemptive plans and to reveal his compassion into the world. Fast forward 2,000 years to December 2020, Belfast, Northern Ireland, what we see is over 3,300 children in the care system in Northern Ireland. I think the exact figure from a few months back, probably in the middle of COVID, was 3,300 and something. I've forgotten the final figure. Should have written it down. Over 3,300 kids currently in the care system in Northern Ireland. In the UK, the stats reveal that there is a, a child brought into care every 15 minutes. That is massive. That is massive. And I can't help but wonder cannot be a coincidence, it cannot be a coincidence that the incarnation of the triune God that led to the the cross, that led to the resurrection, that led to the kingdom of God being ushered in, that led to the ascension, the promise of Jesus returning, the judgment, the, the promise to make all things new. Your salvation, my salvation, my forgiveness of sins, your forgiveness of sins, all of that began in the act of one dad sacrificing his aspirations of normality and choosing to foster, adopt, and raise this little boy as his own. Is that stretching the story? I don't think it is. That's what I see happen. Let me share a story with you. Friends of mine, Rick and Sarah. Um, Rick works for the church. Sarah's a teacher. Uh, Wonderful couple. They have kids of their own. They made a decision to become a foster family. And so a couple of weekends a month, a teenage boy with some additional needs comes and stays at their house and spends the weekend there. And they play games with him and they bring him out and they treat him like one of their own. He's got his own parents, but they have opened their home and said, we're going to love you and welcome you and journey life with you like you're ours. Respite fostering, a couple of weekends a month, one weekend a month. 
It's the most wonderful story. COVID's thrown a spanner in the works for a few months there. But you know what? They're back doing it again. They're back loving and doing family and doing life with this kid. And you've got everything from that with Rick and Sarah right through to uh, permanent fostering that leads to adoption. Maybe you think that's great. Maybe you think, that's a cool story. I really love the fact that's happened. I really love the fact there's people out there that are willing to do that kind of thing. And the next word you say is what? Three letters, begins with B. But. But. And I want to just, I can't say it. I was going to say, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say we're going to linger around the butt for a second, but we can't say that. So we can't, that's just rude. So just ignore that at home. Strike that from the recording. Uh, We'll not go there. But, you're all thinking it, but. But I'm too old. My children are, are grown and flown. I couldn't do that. I'm too young. I want to have my own family first. But, but, but I never got married. Or, but, but I was never able to have kids. But, 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 but. But my kids are too small. But, but, but. And I wonder, like Joseph Maybe, just maybe, we need to consider the question. And I don't think this is for everybody, but I do think it's for somebody. We need to consider the question, could God be asking us to lay to one side our aspirations of normality, to come to the foot of the cross and say, God, these are the dreams I have over my own life. I'm going to give them to you, all of my ambitions, all of my hopes, all of my plans. I surrender these into your hands. And ask the question, is God's invitation for me to do what Joseph did, to partner with the Father and to allow my life and to allow my family to become part of his redemptive story for a child in the foster care system today? I simply want to leave that question with you. For most of you, it's something I just want you to pray over. But I'd love all of you today at some point just to ask the question, could this be something God is asking me, asking us to consider doing? To partnering with him and using your life and your family to rewrite the story of a kid who's in the care system today. It's what we see in that first, well, it's partly what we see in that first Christmas. The other thing I want to share, and this isn't going to be a long sermon today because there's lots happening in our service, but there's another thing I want to just linger on, just to, just to tease out, pull out. And, and that's the idea of family itself, because we see something in the incarnation of Joseph and Mary's experience of family, something that really challenges how we do family today. Western individualism has deconstructed the notion of family. Family used to be, and some of you remember this, used to be the whole street you lived on. People didn't lock their doors in each other's houses. Kids ran around. Some of you remember that, don't you? And you go back a few more generations, that was normality. In Belfast and down country, that was normality. And, And then family got a little bit smaller. It became the blood relatives, the people you saw at weddings and funerals. So when we see family, isn't it? And then family got a little bit smaller again and it became the people we sit around the dinner table with. 
the people who live in your house. In recent years, families maybe got even smaller. It's now me, myself, and I. For a lot of people. The incarnation, the birth story of Jesus with Joseph and Mary and the way that all plays out, it paints for us a picture of family that is beyond flesh and blood family, beyond what we perceive as normal family. We've talked about that already. Let me bring you forward a little bit in the gospel story to Luke chapter 8. There's this story where Jesus is in this house with his followers, with his disciples, and someone comes to him and says, Jesus, your, your, your mom, your brothers are outside the house. And Jesus says this thing that sounds really rude. Apart from the fact Jesus didn't sin, so he can't be rude, so there's obviously something else going on. Jesus said, I have no mother, I have no brothers. You are my mother, you are my brothers and my sisters to the people in the house. You know the story? What's going on there? What's going on there? It's not about Jesus devaluing his mom and his brothers and sisters. That's not what it's about. What he's doing is he's elevating the status of his followers. It's not about devaluing biological family, but it's about elevating spiritual family. You with me? What if the kingdom of God is less about who gathers around your Christmas table and more about who gathers around this communion table? Just allow that question to linger in your mind for a second. Here's one for you. This is provocative. What if the third person, the third family in your Christmas Day bubble wasn't actually part of your biological family, but was somebody from your church family who you thought, they're going to be on their own this Christmas? It's weird, isn't it? Gareth, that's that's radical, that's crazy, that's idealistic, that's church. Maybe. Just maybe. Think about it, guys. Think about it for a minute. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. What is his favorite word for, or favorite way of describing the church and the people of God? Family. Go into the Old Testament, and we see this this motif used again and again and again to describe the Hebrew people. What is it? The children of God. Family. This image of family runs right throughout the Bible, and yet we we often devalue it and play it down. And what Jesus does is he elevates it. He elevates it. Look at the cross. The, the, The vertical member of the cross is a vertical aspect. There's a horizontal aspect. Play it out with me. The cross reconciles us to God through the death of Jesus Christ. There is nothing in your life that prevents you coming to Jesus coming into relationship with him by, through the cross, through repentance. The cross has the power to reconcile you to God. When that happens, God becomes your heavenly father. Now look around you in church. Look to your left. This is, this is a real thing. Look around. Look to your right. 
The Christians, you see, have also been reconciled to their Heavenly Father. We have one Heavenly Father. We read it in Ephesians. If we have one Heavenly Father, the people around us are what? Brothers and sisters. Family. We're family. We're family. Guys, this invitation to become Christians, yes, it's about personal salvation. Do not mishear me. It is absolutely about your commitment to Christ, coming to him being made new to him, in him. But it's more than that. It's not less than that. It's more than that. It's also an invitation to become part of the church, to become part of the family of God here in this place in Orangefield. It's way bigger than that, but for today, that's what we're thinking about. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're seeing. And this is where we land. We have new people who have made professions of faith to become part of the church family. We love you guys. We have others who have transferred in from other churches to become part of our church family. Some of you have been here for a little bit of time. Some of you have been here for a long, long time in Orangefield. But we are family. We are brothers and sisters. The cross shows us that. The the incarnation shows that. The very story of the Bible, the story of the gospel, shows us that we are family. It's not an optional extra. It's our identity. It's who we are. It's a family name. And being family means that we carry the people around us in our hearts in the same way we carry our own biological family in our hearts. We don't just show up on a Sunday, have a cup of coffee, or during COVID, not have a cup of coffee, as the case may be. Have a bit of chat and go home. It's a commitment to do life with the people around you in this place. Who are not in this place today, who are gathered online. It's a commitment to do it as you would do it with your own biological family, to love the people around you in this church with that intensity, to to forgive them the way you would forgive your own son, your own daughter, when they do something wrong, To, to help them when they're struggling the way you would your own biological family, to get alongside them and say, what do you need? How can I help you? To have hard conversations with them as you would with your own kids or your own sibling or your own parents when things are hard. Not to be scared of truth, but to love with a love that is unbreakable because that's the love that we see in family. To celebrate, to weep with, to encourage, to carry. Guys, we are family in this place. If for no other reason, we are loved by our heavenly Father. We have been been made new by him, forgiven by him. And part of that reconciliation process means that we need to be reconciled to one another. To love one another, to carry one another. I want to pray. And as I pray, I want to just give you a little bit of space to respond. And then after that, we'll move into a time of communion where we remember that we are family and we act it out.
through the work of Jesus on the cross. But let's be still now. There'll be things going on in your head and your heart that, as I've been talking, maybe things you wish I'd said that I haven't said. Maybe things that I have said that are just resonating with you. Holy Spirit, won't you come and just continue to minister and speak? To our family today. And we just wait in silence for a few moments. We want to give you some space to respond. Maybe for some of you there's a there's a reconciliation that needs to happen between brothers and sisters in this room or online. People you haven't spoken to in a number of months or you're frustrated with and God's just laid that person on your heart and Father, if that's the case, I pray bring healing in those relationships. Bring courage to have those conversations. And may the grace that flows into us flow through us. For others, um, maybe you feel a bit more like extended family. You feel like you don't quite fit in or you haven't been welcomed or you've had to take a step back for whatever reason. If that's you, I want you to know that you are loved by God. That you are loved in this place. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. No extended family, only sons and daughters. Father, allow your love to flourish in the hearts of people who feel like they're on the fringes this morning. And then finally, for others who who aren't yet Christians, there's this little verse in Revelation. of Jesus standing outside a door. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. I'll come in and do life with them. I'll come in and be family with them. Maybe this morning, the Jesus who was born in the manger, the same Jesus who opened his arms and died on the cross, And three days later, rose again. That Jesus is standing and knocking on the door of of your heart this morning saying, I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to make you new. Open the door of your heart. Let me in. And if that's you, you want forgiveness. You want to be part of God's family. You want to belong you want to become a Christian, then just pray with me now. Jesus, I believe in you. I hear you knocking. I open my heart to you. 
I repent of my sins. I'm sorry, God. Forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me part of your eternal family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed any of those prayers this morning, um, let us know. Uh, There's also prayer ministry available afterwards. They'd love to pray with you. And the details will be on the screen after the service. But if you prayed any of those prayers this morning, come and and speak to Gary or myself or some of the the elders. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, to walk with you. We'd love to help you.